0: So welcome to the uh, Saturday Morning Meditation Meetup. I'm happy to see you all. Um, does anybody want to start? What's this, what does your cup say, Sam? <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: nice. Uh, <laughs> I wonder who I gave you s- that.
1: <laughs> I can start really quick. Um. Sure. Sure. I don't really have a question right now. I just wanted to say uh, the advice you all gave me last time was really useful. so basically you suggested you know really looking for um, really setting an intent to look for subtle distractions sort of to notice them as soon as they come up and that's been really um, I want to say it's been really effective. I will say it feels like it requires a little more effort than I was using before and so now, At the end of the meditation, I'm starting to get tired a little bit. Like I can do an hour, but at the end of the hour, I feel a little tired. So I'm experimenting with trying to figure out how to like keep that intention to look for um, subtle distractions, but not make everything super intense and Mm -hmm. not to like really put as much effort into it. So that's kind of where I am right now. Cool. I don't think it's really a question.
0: Yeah. I
1: just just want to say thanks for the good advice.
3: Yeah.
0: So, uh, yeah. I mean, that's, that's like kind of the classic thing, right? Like how do I adjust, you know? Yeah. At some point, what you really want is to, is to automatically notice them. So of course that doesn't happen at first. And so part of, part of the process of learning to automatically notice, I'm sorry, I got up fairly recently and my eyes are still full of goo. Yeah. Um, part of the, uh, part of the reason for, uh, or part of the process of learning to notice them quickly is just, uh, Learning to let go, and then notice that you didn't notice them, and let that sort of groove your intention a little bit, so that so that after a couple of tries, you start noticing it automatically, rather than like being in that state where you're just kind of like, notice, 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 notice. Exactly. You don't, you don't want to be in that state. That's not right. That's yeah. that's like if if you can do that for an hour, like you're kind of awesome. But
1: <laughs> yeah, it's not quite that. It's a little bit it's a little bit off from that, but it's still checking pretty often. And yeah, yeah I'm I'm playing with it. So I think it's working. Cool. All right, that's all I wanna say awesome. on that.
0: All right, welcome, Steve. So, uh, anybody else got any exciting stuff to talk about?
4: Uh, if nobody wants to go, I can start complaining about the body scan. All right. All right. So. Uh, My complaint is that it's such an inconsistent practice for me that um, how much I can find breath sensation seems to vary really grossly um, sit to sit. And it it doesn't seem to have to do with how tired I am or when I ate last or any sort of external factor that I can tell. Sometimes they're there uh, as soon as I look. Other times I I stare at a body part for a little while and they slowly sort of materialize. uh, And sometimes just nothing happens. Um, but I've been at the body scan for probably like four or five months now, uh, with like large grades of that being only doing the body scan. And it seems like this has just never changed. Like it's not getting better over time. I'm not, I'm not cultivating like a receptivity to these uh, subtle breath sensations over time. Um, so it makes it hard to, like, I struggle with agitation when I'm doing the scan often, because as soon as I start to scan the first part, if I can't find breast sensations there, I can basically tell that I won't find them anywhere, and there's nothing it seems I can do at the time to change that.
0: So, um, when you're doing the, the body scan practice, do you do the thing where you where you do your where you follow your breast sensations to the nose, then do the body scan, then come back and see how the breast sensations are? Yeah, I do that. Okay. When you're having a day when uh, you can't find the breast sensations. Um, Does your experience of the breath of the nose change after you've done the body scan?
4: Uh, Yeah, so that's that's really hit or miss. So uh, for me, that doesn't actually work that well as an indicator of whether uh, the body scan is meant to reduce dullness, right? So I I guess you're asking, is it actually succeeding in its goal regardless of what I'm finding? Mm -hmm. Uh, The the answer I have there is that uh, breath of the nose is not really a good indicator for me because I have this uh, kriya, this energetic thing in my face that sometimes will just obliterate breath sensations there no matter what. Um, and that, that's also very unpredictable. And it doesn't seem to correlate with uh, intensity of that. The facial thing doesn't seem to correlate with, uh, with the body scan being good or bad one way or another. But often when I go back to the nose, I, I just feel almost no breath sensations. Um, sometimes the sensations are really limited, but I can clearly tell they're more vivid in the limited like, range that I'm experiencing them. Uh, but it's really all over the map.
0: Hmm. So when you um, when you have that kriya experience, the nose, um, is it the case that the breath sensations aren't there anymore? Or is it the case that, that they're a lot softer than the kriya? Like a lot less intense than the kriya? Uh,
4: the kriya- i like, theoretically. It's not actually an intense sensation anymore. It used to be that way. Now it really is just like a muting sensation. A muting um, sensation. Like the en- energy, energetic thing itself doesn't have much- sensation around the nose. I feel it kind of like here, but that's easy to distinguish from the breath sensations or from the nose, at least sensation.
0: Huh.
4: It mostly just dims. Like I can tell when it's dimmed breath sensations and that's how I can tell it's there.
0: Hmm. So um, if you follow the breath of the nose, what's your experience of uh, dullness and agitation?
4: Uh, I don't really get agitation anymore. I've I sort of accepted this, this Korea thing is going to be there for forever, yeah. it's fine. Um, dullness is varied. I, I don't really experience too much dullness these days. Yeah. Okay. What happens if you try to do stage six practices? Um, it works kind of intermittently. I mean, uh, the stage six practice I usually go for is the whole body breathing. Right. And that's, what, given what I just said, that's kind of tricky. Yeah. Uh, Usually I end up just going for the subtle movement sensations in my upper body, uh, which are, are good enough, I feel, to do the, the whole body breathing pretty successfully. Do you That's... ever try to see if you have access concentration? Um, I'm not sure how to do that, except to try to enter jhana, which right. uh, not succeeded yet. OK.
0: All right. Uh, I don't know. I'm kind of drawing a
5: blank. Sam, do you have anything? Um, Something that comes to mind for me is, uh, is well, in stage five, you You're not. Um, it's not just the breath sensations that you're looking for, it's like any sensations in that body part. Uh, I think people make that misconception a lot, like you're just looking for breath sensations in stage five, but that's not the case. Um, so the stage six practice is looking for the breath sensations specifically, but it, um, I'm wondering, Is there anything else going on when you uh, try to observe a body part that's not the breath sensations?
4: Yeah, I can definitely find um, just non-breath sensations for sure, yeah. Those are pretty clear.
5: So I would um, focus on that. Um, Include those in your scope of attention when you're doing stage five practice. Um, Because uh, for one thing, that'll allow you to, stay on that specific scope of attention better because you're actually including other sensations in, in your scope. And uh, also, um, I think it's important to just hold the intention to ex- observe whatever you're observing vividly. Um, and it seems like what, it, what you're doing is working because you, you mentioned that uh, you're having more vividness when you go back to the breath of the nose, mm-hmm. um, even though it's kind of uh, tough to tell sometimes with the whatever else is going on there. Um, but that's kind of that's kind of my thoughts on it. Um,
4: yeah, okay. I, so, uh, can I, uh, Sorry, Ted, you want to go ahead? Oh, uh, it sounded like
0: somebody else wanted to say something.
3: Right, yeah, Ready to go? I want to add something. Yeah. Uh, in the book, Chiladasa talks about the meditation on the elements. And I know I have spoken for it a couple of times, but I never see anybody discussing it. And I think that at least to me, it helps a lot. The instead of perceiving only the, the breath sensations, which are associated with the air elements, you can perceive other sensations for each element. So for for Earth, there is stability and there is solidity, or some, something like that. And I and, and I think that goes uh, with what Sam was talking about. So you don't have to focus specifically on on only the breath sensations. And I find personally that the the air sensations are the most difficult ones. So sometimes I I go to the to each element in turn, and I can sense some of them and not others. And that has helped me at least. Now I've, I'm trying to, to go to the, the body scanning with the breath sensation. But sometimes when that doesn't work, I go back to the, the elements and that helps me. So
4: maybe it's something to try. Um, I'll take a look at that. I can definitely imagine just giving, um, giving more categories of sensations to look for would just make me find more. And that would make the whole practice more effective and more satisfying, yeah.
6: Well and I mean I I, I, I kind of get what you're, you''re you're describing all the time and um, to me, I think it, 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 it just means to practice um, not looking for uh, like a product or looking for a specific situation instead like uh, thinking more process process oriented right and um, you know, just thinking, okay, what what are the skills this is trying to develop and and, and realize, oh, okay, so this is what's coming up in my meditation, but how do I develop the skills, you know, using, working with this thing that's coming up in my meditation? Can I, uh, you know, de- increase sort of the, the clarity? It may not be the clarity I want <laughs> to, to find the, you know, the type of sensations that I'm, I, I think I want or I'm looking for, But no, can I be more, um, you know, uh, awake, present and just attuned to the uh, subtle, the subtle sensations that are present? Um, Like, you know, if you if you say like, oh, there's a sense of uh, mutedness. Okay, well, what you know, how do you know that? What what are the components of that and stuff? Because there's, you know, there's there's clearly there's um you know whenever you're like awake present conscious there's always sensations but it's just again tr- like even um even being more attuned to the sensations that are
5: present so a okay. of
6: things
5: um to in order to get more vividness, you need more conscious power. And to do that, you need to focus on the larger area. Uh, eventually, you're moving towards that direction. Um, so make sure you're doing that. And also, in increasing the conscious power, it's kind of like weightlifting in a way because you're going to be uh, hitting a point where you're feeling a little bit uh, – you're, you're feeling like you're almost at your limit. Basically, um, it's gonna feel a little bit difficult when when you're pushing uh, when you're pushing into more um, you know more conscious power. It's gonna feel kind of like weightlifting for your mind. Um, so if, if if you're not really uh, feeling that strain, of just a little bit, you know, like not like not like you're trying to do something you can't do, but just pushing a little bit past what you can currently do. Um, that's kind of what grows that potential, uh, little by little. And sometimes you'll hit a plateau and you have some sort of breakthrough and all of a sudden, uh, things will be different. Um, it's, it's not necessarily like linear. Uh, so just keep that in mind. And, you know, as long as you're practicing it, uh, it may not seem like it's doing much, but it's definitely doing something. Um, so there's an element of diligence and faith um, that's always good to stick to.
4: Okay. Thanks, Sam. Thanks, everybody.
0: So uh, I'm going to slightly rephrase what Gilbert said, because I think he was hitting on something that...
4: that. Uh,
0: uh, is, is is important, but this is something you probably heard me say before that 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 there's a distinction between like going out and trying to find something versus receiving it. Um, and uh, I don't know if you've been exploring that at all, but but uh, if you haven't, then that would be a thing to explore. Do you know what I'm talking about?
4: Yeah, I've heard you say that, and I, I have explored that with most of my okay. patients at the nose. I actually find that really effective there. I uh, I don't think I've applied it that much to the body scan.
0: Yeah, it's actually, I, I, I discovered it doing the body scan. So so you might see if it has any effect there. Yeah, I will, I'll play with that, today. Cool. All right, uh, so uh, Riff, you have your hand up?
1: Yeah, I was kind of on the same topic while we were talking about body scans. I'll come back to it and say, um. I guess I feel like I have slightly a different issue with body scans, which is that I feel like I can feel a lot of sensations, you know, sometimes they're breath sensations. Like sometimes I'll focus on like my hip socket, for instance, and I can kind of feel like my leg going out with the out breath and in with the in breath or like my thigh. I can kind of feel my thigh getting like the tiniest bit bigger with the breath and back and it doesn't feel difficult to me. It feels interesting. Um, you know, I often think it's more interesting than just following the breath at my nose. Um, it doesn't feel like it tires me out and it doesn't feel like it really increases the vividness of my breath of the breath at my nose. And so I'm kind of going, okay, I can do this, but like, so what? Um, so I usually just skip it and go on to like more stage 60 stuff, which is like, you know, just when I notice a distraction immediately turning away from it, ignoring it. Um, so I'm curious if there's thoughts on that, like, is there some other thing I'm missing about body scanning or like, I, I think the point of it is to build conscious power, but I don't, I don't really feel like it's building any conscious power for me.
0: So, so are you doing what Sam suggested at all? Expanding expanding the, uh, the, like expanding the amount
1: of, of body that you're following the breath in. I don't think I've tried that very often. I could play with it a little bit. Um, Cause then the goal would be to basically, I feel like, in the past, when I've expanded it, what happens is that I, I cover a bigger area, but but sort of more vaguely maybe. Mm-hmm. So I think if I tried to expand the area while being more specific, maybe that would be more tiring. So maybe that would be like a way of doing a weightlifting set on it, um, potentially. But
5: um. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like a situation where you got to go little by little. You don't want to go... Um, all at once like you can't you can't just go straight into the body scan when you have just been scanning like your foot uh you just can't do it without um getting dull so you go little by little you take your foot and then you get to a point where okay i can i can observe that pretty vividly and uh without dullness creeping in so then okay maybe i should include my ankle and my foot um and you get to where that works and then you include your calf and your foot, and you just kind of go gradually like that.
1: Yeah, I have not tried expanding the area like that. I have sometimes done whole body breathing, and then I get this sense of like kind of my whole body expanding and contracting, but it's not, let me think how to say it, it feels a little bit more, it doesn't feel dull at all, but it doesn't feel like the sum of if I were scan- if I were putting attention on all the parts of my body individually. It feels like its own... Um, Like I said, it doesn't feel dull. It feels more diffuse in some sense. I mean, that's kind of what I'm getting.
5: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's not like that's not a useful thing to do. um, Because doing that can also, in my experience, increase the conscious power. But I think it's more efficient if you do the uh, sort of gradual little by little thing. And uh, the benefit of doing it little by little is you also practice... uh, Defining your scope of attention more okay. precisely. Yeah. Um, and how, and it's just more efficient if you do it a uh, little by enough. little.
1: I'll play with that. And how can you tell if you've increased con- conscious power?
5: Um, well, in general, you'll just have a lot more vividness. And you'll notice that there it's a feeling of more spaciousness in the mind. Um, it's a very... Uh, it, you'll be able to tell, like... Um, and it, it again, it won't be like linear, like there'll be certain uh, periods where you'll go into a mind state uh, where you're like, wow, this is really spacious and it feels very spacious. That's because you have a lot of conscious power going at, at that moment. Okay. Um, so you'll, you'll notice that more and more, it'll, it'll just feel like you have more bandwidth, like you can encompass more in your consciousness. Um, so there's that, and, and then there's the vividness that you can achieve, that, and that has to do with the conscious
1: power too. Cool, thank you.
5: Just
3: to add to the complaint against body scanning, I, my, my issue is, is a little different than brief, but uh, I have something that, to me, it's, if I focus too much on one part of my body only, I tend to, to see awareness collapsing, so I, I usually go to my hand, back to the breath, the other hand, back to the breath. And when I feel confident enough, uh, not only I try to, to expand the scope, but also I try to, to vary the, the combination. So I try my right hand and my left arm, and my left hand and my right arm, and so with the foot. And that also helps me to, to have more control on the scope of attention. So I, 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 don't, I don't think it's easy to me as it, it seems to be for you, but it helps me that uh, by switching parts of my body, I have more control over how my attention goes. So that, at least to me, that, that's my main issue. I, I, I use that, that switching in, in order to, to avoid collapsing my, my awareness.
0: Rodrigo, Kerry said something that sort of relates to that in the chat, and also um, I was uh, uh, kind of wondering um, when you are doing your body scan, do you feel that uh, you're you're trying to not be aware of sensations other in other parts of the body? Because if you if you are doing that, um, then that would cause awareness to collapse, which is not what you want. What you really want is to is to be aware of. of everything that's happening in your body, but have your attention on, on a certain scope of uh, a certain part of your body.
3: Yeah, it's not something I attempt. Actually, I try to, to not do that, but it's something that sometimes it happens. I am paying attention to my hand and I can notice my awareness collapsing, then I, I go back, but it's not as if I'm trying to, to exclude everything else. Okay, um,
0: it may be that, that you Need to hold an intention for your awareness to to remain on the whole body as you're meditating. Um, See if that has any effect. Yeah. Uh, I noticed Tom had his hand up a minute ago. Um, He might have just been asking about the efforting question that he put in the chat. Uh,
2: So, but. That was it. I was just uh, asking Scam about efforting. All right. Thanks. Thanks.
7: Mike. Yeah, I got a question. Um, Mm -hmm. Maybe a bit more of a comment and then uh, maybe people in the group can provide some tips or suggestions for me, but I'm, I'm probably meditating in stage three, four. Um, I've definitely noticed, and I've been there for a while. I've definitely noticed a pretty big improvement into um, the amount of peripheral awareness I have. I've, I think I'm cultivating a lighter touch now on the, the breath that I had a few months ago where I was really bearing down on it and blocking out a lot. And I think i that wasn't the right the right uh, technique. And so I think right now I'm, I'm trying to explore dullness. I think a lot of my distraction and uh, occasional forgetting is related to dullness. So I'm trying to get a better sense of feeling it come in, feeling it progress. Um, and so if anybody had any tips on how to explore dullness, uh, that would probably help me out a lot. One thing I've definitely noticed is I've, I've now been able to see these sometimes pretty weird thoughts. And it's like I see them right at the root. Like they're not yet uh, taking me on a ride of, you know, forgetting and mind wandering. And they're, they're weird. And I, I'm thinking that that's probably a sign of dullness. But uh, if there's any comments there.
0: That is a sign of dullness.
7: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So w- w- one thing I've been tr- trying to do is I've I've read some of the uh, the Reddit you know stage four tips, and so I'm trying to work with some you know micro intentions of uh, vividness and of um, almost just vigilance of noticing the mind um, in a little bit more of its state. But if anybody has suggestions, uh, feel free.
0: So uh, one thing that I would suggest you see if you are noticing is, and you may recognize this when I tell you about it, is you may notice like just as you're meditating moment by moment that some moments are more, uh, they feel more engaged than others. Does that, does that resonate at all? Yep. Okay. So uh, the moments when you're feeling more engaged, you have less dullness. The moments when you're feeling less engaged, you have more dullness.
7: Engaged is a really good word. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And so, and you know, my experience of, of that is that if you're, if you're in that place where dullness is, is something that's, that's got the potential to happen, that you'll find that you're alternating between engaged and disengaged a lot. And then after a while, you stop noticing it. And that's dullness. That's like, at that point, you're already in dullness. It's not very strong, but it's, it's dullness. So uh, so you already have the acuity of of perception that you need to to identify dullness. The fact that you're able to to differentiate between engaged and disengaged is all right, you already know what to do. And so now your trick is when you notice that you're that that you're that that happening when you notice the alternation between engaged and disengaged, um, you can just intend to be more engaged. And that may when you're when you're at that level of subtlety, that may be enough to keep you engaged. But if it's not then the other thing you can do is is uh, work on like when you notice that you're alternating between engaged and disengaged, uh, when you notice that, um, just check to see what's happening in peripheral awareness, and if the answer is nothing, then go do something about that, and then come back and see how things change.
7: I think that's going to be so. It's almost like uh, engagement is a predecessor of dullness or
0: yeah. I mean, if you think about it, it's engagement and disengagement are kind of like, like, you know, when you're engaged, you have a lot of moments of mind that are on the object Mm -hmm. and when you're disengaged, most of your, most of your perceiving moments of mind are on the object, but there are fewer of them. Yeah. And that's why it feels like you're disengaged.
7: So So, when you said uh, look into peripheral awareness and if you find nothing, can you unpack that a bit?
0: Yeah, so, so for me, if, if I find myself in this state where I'm, where I'm about to, to dive into dullness, um, what I do is actually go and just try to see how much I'm noticing in peripheral awareness. Like, can I hear the sound of the highway um, four miles away from here on the other side of a ridge? If the answer to that is no, then ha- form an intention to hear the sound of the highway on the other side of the ridge because that's a very subtle sensation, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's an external sensation. It's very subtle. Uh, as soon as I notice that, then I go back to the breath. And, and so what I've done is i have just using – this is checking in, right? I've used, I've used attention yep. to explore awareness. And by intending to have a very subtle sensation in awareness, in, in, in extrospective awareness, that expands awareness out. And then I can come back to the breath and put, and and intend to keep that awareness going, but yeah. but now i'm now my attention is on the breath okay and, yeah yeah, so yeah I think
7: I'll, I'll experiment with that. I think that that uh, resonates pretty pretty good with me, so I'll try that thanks okay. cool
3: uh Rodrigo, you have your hand up? yeah, uh, I was actually wondering about something you, you told jolt uh, how do you know if you you have access concentration. you were asking him if he could tell. And... If you have access
0: concentration, you have access. <laughs> of course. <laughs> yeah, it was exactly what Schultz said. If you if you have access concentration,
3: then you can go into Jana. But that's the only test, the only way of knowing. Just go to Jana, and if it doesn't well, work, then you don't have it.
0: I mean, you might you might have. Access concentration before before you can go into jhana because you don't know how to go into jhana, but that's how you tell that you have access concentration is that you can go into jhana. so so if you think you have access concentration, you might as well check, see, can I go into jhana and uh, okay, yeah, and then is if that... you... hmm? all right, yeah, so and then if you go into jhana, then then you have it <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah. Uh, is that the same uh, as uh, the stability of attention in stage six? Uh,
0: you can go into you can go into light jhana in stage six, right? You can go into the body jhana in stage six, so so that would suggest that you have access concentration
3: in stage six. But because I'm I, I, I'm still doing uh, stage even four and five. Uh, but sometimes I, I can notice that uh, when I'm dealing with distraction and, and I keep coming back, keep coming back uh, more frequently. At some time, I, I, I get into a, a kind of groove that it, it becomes easier to not be distracted. Yep. And I've I've noted that it, that that it's distinctive, but uh, uh, it's still very unstable. Let's say. So mm-hmm. I was wondering, maybe that's what, that was it.
0: Yeah. I mean, that sounds like at least a precursor to access concentration. Chuladasa describes it using that exact word. He calls it being in the groove. Um, Oh, okay. Yeah. So interesting.
7: I I have one comment, actually, another comment that relates a little bit to Rodrigo's question. This is actually the question for me. Um, Before I I got the book a couple years ago, I, I was basically just like a, I wasn't practicing as diligently as I am now, uh, which is daily, mm-hmm. and but I was like a Dharma nerd. Like I, I could, I had an appetite for Dharma books, and I was probably spending more time reading about meditation than actually meditating. And I read Lee Brasington's book uh, on the jhanas, and I tried the techniques. And after a certain amount of time in my meditations, I was able to feel some. PT waves in my kind of the area below my belly button a little bit, um, and at some point, you know, I, I just decided to try his technique of putting my attention on that, that sensation. And the first time I did it, it got so much bigger so fast, it startled me, and and I lost it, and and that was kind of the the end of that. And I think on the uh, you know the subsequent sit or a sit soon after that, I tried it again and it was like a garden hose of orange crush got connected to my navel and it just turned on and it just exploded all through the body um and you know after a while that experience changed and was less intense and i got to the state of mind that was unmistakably an altered state um there was like effortlessness there was uh almost like a, a larger separation between uh, me and my thoughts. I, I, some thoughts would, would arise and they'd almost slide off of uh, a toad's back, like water sliding off of a toad's back. They, they couldn't have any purchase. And I could, I could think, but I could, uh, I was just marveling at how stable that state was. And I felt like I could stay there for a very long time. So here's my question. So it, it seemed a lot like Jonna, Um And my question is, I find it a little bit perplexing that after I picked up the book and I've now put more time and, and effort, that I can't seem to get the same level of PT arising. And so my question is, you know, am I less concentrated now after a lot more effort and a lot more diligence than... I was back then. Like, any comments about that? It's kind of interesting. Like, it was very common for me to generate these PT sensations back then, and, and I don't anymore.
0: Yeah. So I mean, that's really interesting, right? So, so first of all, that what you described sounds very much uh, sounds like it was first jhana, right? The orange crush thing. That sounds like first jhana, mm-hmm. um, and you know, it's it's rough, right? But it's 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 jhana. Um, and what you described as uh, the sort of more tranquil state after that could easily have been second jhana, right? The pleasure jhanas. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, the trick about this is, so, so were you able to do that consistently, or was that something oh. that happened like once or, OK, yeah. It so, happened
7: once, and I think afterwards, uh, my desire for it to happen again was mm-hmm. the biggest barrier.
0: Yes. Yeah. Right. So, so there's a there's a very good chance that that's what's blocking you now. And so, so uh, part of this process of going through the stages is actually getting to the point where you can let go. And uh, that's what stage seven is all about. It's about like getting to the point where uh, you're no longer trying to control things. And you really, it's difficult to get into jhana if you're controlling because jhana is not controlled. Jhana is a is a feedback loop. It's like out of control. Totally out of control. That's not, it's not about control. So, uh, so you, so, so what you're doing right now is actually kind of kind of developing the building blocks that would, in principle, allow you to get to Jhana consistently. Um, the, it, is it possible that what you're doing right now is actually making it harder to get to Jhana? Yes, because what you're doing right now is controlling,
7: right? And so I also wonder I, 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 there can be that. I also think that, uh, the way the book's written, there's, there's a vivacity element to the instructions mm-hmm. and you know, you're, you're, you're looking for individual breath sensations. There's a lot more focus on sensations. And I mean, the book goes into, that's why I love the book. It goes into so much more detail on technique, but I think that back then it's almost like maybe, um, I think when you you don't have those instructions to look for individual sensations to to really deconstruct the breath a little bit more mm-hmm. that you can almost solidify the concept of the breath and it becomes um, smoother yep. um, and a little bit uh I don't know what the word is but you're you're not you're you're not focusing on sensation anymore you're almost creating a a smooth concept
0: yeah, you're making a movie out of a bunch of frames,
7: yeah. And maybe that's more conducive to those states the movie or just just uh, not so much deconstructing the breath, uh, almost like uh, simplifying and, and getting into like getting into the groove is a very good word and and uh, yeah. so I'm wondering if it, I almost feel like uh, with TMI in the early stages, right, you're cultivating different skills that may not lend you to get in those states until later on and, and i'm fine yeah. with that I, I just want to do the work
0: yeah i think that's i think that's true that doesn't mean that you can't also try to get into jana the other way but but yeah. jula dasa does encourage you to develop uh, to get through to 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 the point where you have um uh where, where you're you're not as subject to subtle dullness before you do that, and yeah. so you're already having the experiences. What we were talking about before, you're already having the experiences of almost being able to see the difference between subtle dullness and not. And so, so you're actually in a really great place. Um, you just need to. I mean, I don't want to say like just keep going and don't worry, but but because, because yeah, but I,
7: I, I'm just going to do your. I really like your engagement uh, analogy there. I'm going to really explore that. So thanks. Cool. Yeah.
6: Well, so, and. I mean I also sort of throw throw in there that um, you know that was also a, a dissolution dissolution-y type experience you know like there there's uh at the very least uh, some some insight sort of in there in terms of the even just the the, the dissolution of some of your ideas about the the body right cuz you you can't have um sort of that the you know scintillating pt vibrations all throughout kind of throughout your body with your typical you know conceptual rigid you know idea of seeing your body as like just this you know two-dimensional or maybe three-dimensional but but just like a thing right with rigid boundaries but you know so it's it's just uh something to to throw out there that um you know i mean it, it's it was like an insight type experience and, and you know to expect to have you know maybe more of it um you know or not or you know
2: yeah very
8: Well, um, Mike just described something that is very similar to what I've been having happen, um, but with some big differences too. But the, the his description of being in an altered state like really resonates with me. Um, and I don't know if anyone remembers, but I, you know, over the past month or two, I've occasionally mentioned having um, really overwhelming um, face sensations, feeling like I've got energy, the energy of a fire hose, but can't, but that directing it to anything results in too much pity and too much face pain. And I was thinking it was efforting, and i it's probably related to efforting, but it's still pity, it's just like a minuscule amount of effort, any effort whatsoever, erupts into just um, physically painful. And as soon as I stop trying to direct my attention, um, it just releases. Um, But with the intention to watch my breath being so habitual, that's really hard to do. Um, And I don't know how to set the intention and then totally let it do itself, unless I tell myself not to do anything and let the intention come through. And But if I tell myself not to do anything, at least I'm not having dullness problems now, but it just, it pops me up into that altered state but without the ability to focus on anything. It's essentially the um, choiceless attention. Um, is that what it's called in stage eight?
6: Choiceless awareness.
8: Or choice. It, it, I think Julia Dassa calls it choiceless attention. Um, even though I think he means what a lot of people think of as choiceless awareness.
0: Yeah. I remember that in most, Most meditation teachers don't make the same distinction between awareness and attention that Chuladasa makes.
8: So, yeah. And so it's like I'm in an altered state, full energy. Um, The the best awareness I ever have, like I can just go sounds, check. They're all there. Um, Body sensations, check. They're all there. Um, But whatever my mind is on, At any given moment, it's there. Um, And it moves on to the next object seamlessly. This is kind of describing what I thought Shinzen's intention for noting everything would be like, except that there's no verbal notings. I'm just touching everything. And without any dip in attention. um, It's a flow state. Um, And which is... Oh, and, the, and as Mike said, um, thoughts are slippery. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting there narrating everything going, oh my God, this is amazing. Wow. Um, check with attention. You know, just totally engaged with the process actively, but it's not interrupting anything. And it's totally sustainable, um, And which is great. Um, it put me into an equanimity buzz that is still going. Um, it's not quite as strong as it was immediately afterward, but, um, still quite strong. And with just the thought, I can kind of regain a lot of it, um, intentionally just by letting it come back. Um, this is all great, but I still have what seems like almost zero power to direct and sustain my attention on anything. (laughs) And um, and actually, while I was in this state, I did actually once witness myself have the attention, because um, I was suggested um, to um, try to pay attention to my breath in that state. And I definitely could, but it brought me down to something like a stage six. Um, I could tell that it wasn't quite flowy anymore, um, because I was actually trying to do something Um, and I was like, okay, enough of that. And (laughs) Okay. I wasn't very patient, but, and just let it do what it wanted to do. And, um, but then I, um, but at another time or it might've been before this, um, I can't remember the order of events because this is now like almost a week ago, but, I, at one point, watched myself intend to pay attention to the breath, and it was like a nudge, like a soft, um, just like nudge, and then released it, and then watched the attention go to the breath. And I was like, okay, that was what I need to do in real life. I mean, when I'm trying to pay attention to the breath, make the intention and let it happen. But it doesn't happen unless I sustain the, it's, it's not staying there. And it's, it's kind of like, it's a stage three phenomena where it's not just staying there, but I can get into stage four, but with a lot of PT. And so it's just kind of, I have, yeah, i just just, haven't quite figured, I know I need to Um, prioritize stabilizing and sustaining attention. Um, Because, oh, yeah, I had um, blackout, not blackout, but um, where things stop when I was in that flow state. Oh, no, 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 not in that flow state, sorry. Immediately after one of them. Um, And they didn't. And I mean they were cool but they didn't like have the transformation that people say they have probably because I had I was in dullness and only a few minds were online and that that wouldn't happen if all of my minds were online um and so I really feel like I do need to get my attention steady but it's cuz I know that you have to put in a little bit of effort until it's effortless but i haven't figured out how to do that yet when, when when there's um yeah i don't know quite it seems like i there's no way to apply less effort without applying no effort but i do think there's a sub mind there that is applying it that I can't tell or I don't know that's just there's also a chance that maybe I need more purifications or something and that it's related to that I mean I did after one purification notice a big change um but I don't know it's just kind of I mean it's not totally overwhelming um or it's just a little confusing and Though it's nice to know that I can very easily just do nothing and get to a pretty amazing place. If I need to, you know, equanimity buzz, it's there.
0: It sounds like Gilbert wants to say something about this.
6: <laughs> so yes, I do. Um, and one is you don't you don't you're not realizing how rich the territory that. Uh, you're at and how uh finely tuned your your mind is how much you're right there in uh the ins the the richness of the the insight experience you have an insight experience all the time is but again it's just and you're you're there yeah. and, and and you're also the like uh transformation stuff is is happening but you're you know one thing that happens of course is as you progress through the stages your your mind will think like well, stand, well, one standards kind of can easily like creep up, up and up, and like oh, yeah. your what's your idea of stable attention? You know, clearly it can't. I can't. This is not stable attention because you know it's not this one dimensional stable attention, right? There's all you know, like there's all these like tiny little things still happening, um, or like I don't, I, I, I'm not perfectly in control of like you know even well quote a thought arises or um or even like a subthought cuz i you're you're talking about kind of like subthoughts or these these
8: mm-hmm.
6: um lower level processing that's all, always there even just what you're talking about about the um very subtle tension right that's mm-hmm. this very very subtle tension that um you know i'm pretty sure like everyone experiences but again they're they're, they're mm-hmm. not sensitized to it they're not you know that and so, and and in order to let go of craving, to let go of clinging, it's um, you have to first be aware of the the clinging intention that's there, that's what you're doing, and it's not something that you, you know, you don't know how to do it because you've kind of been, you know, you've been doing the opposite like your entire life, like craving, clinging, yeah. um, aversion, and your mind's like having to slowly and and again, it's the mind that not like a one thing it's the mind at all these different le- levels you know there's the different sub-minds the good thing about mm-hmm. sub-minds is it um describes the process of the mind kind of horizontally pretty well but mm-hmm. there also is the depths right yes. um you know at the deeper 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 the levels and stuff but yes 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 <laughs> um and you know transforming those the deeper levels the sub sub stuff like is stuff mm-hmm. that you don't you know, you don't, you can't talk to it. Like you're not like going to convince it by mm-hmm. like, you know, higher ordered thinking or in different types of higher order thinking, it has to kind of mm-hmm. realizes it it has to realize itself. Right. Mm-hmm. Or or come to realizations itself. So you're, you're right there. Like in very, all, you're right there in the the, the, the territory you want to be at. Mm-hmm. And it, and it's, in some sense, it's just like recognizing it's like, Oh wow, no, this is like, Mm. this is beautiful deep territory and like this and to continue with your practice as you're practicing Mm -hmm. and and to not yeah because I one thing you're you're like yeah I don't you know um I don't know if I have enough stability in mind like I'm kind of at stage three I think you're 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 clear you're you're definitely in uh higher (laughs) higher order stages but it's it's your uh, well I haven't mastered the
8: earlier stages but I'm experiencing the higher ones well but
6: so but the thing is that it gets that what is quote mastery
8: <laughs> you know
6: yeah. what, what is mastery and for what purpose is quote mastery um you know we're not computers
8: yeah that's like, true
6: and we oftentimes think of we're oh mastery okay i gotta um you know get to the mastery of like what would be a computer computer do so like it can repeat a uh, uh, um you know, mm-hmm. a given outcome, right? Consistently. It's like, no, I mean, everything arises cause of co- due to causes and conditions. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the insight, of course, has you more and more realize the deep complexity of those causes and conditions and mm-hmm. the, you know, interrelatedness, you know, interrelatedness, there's different yeah. words, you know, interrelatedness. Uh, Thich Nhat Hanh talks about interbeing, mm-hmm. uh, suchness, you know, there's, there's yeah. Mm -hmm. I think that's enough for for me to say and someone else can say
8: something. Well, you really hit it when you talked about the craving because, um, because it's only when I abandon all intentions that this happens. And so that it's like any of my intentions have craving in them, but that do nothing is somehow a different kind of intention it's it's or it's synonym to don't crave anything you know so that's seems to be why it kind of works
6: and and to me that's that's the heart of the Buddha's teaching is talking about craving which is linked to suffering mm-hmm. and yeah yeah so easily mm-hmm. it seems like people get confused and I, or not confused, but they focus on other parts, subparts, yeah. which are like, that's no, that's not the core. That's, you know, yeah. and, and it's not that that's the one core, but that is like, you know, that's, that's very important. That's, that's the, um, you know, the heart of the, the Four Noble Truths, right?
8: <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
5: So
0: um, something completely different stuck stuck out for me when you were describing your experience, which is mm-hmm. fun um which is you you and I think you talked about this last time and and I can't remember the details anymore but you said that when you try to concentrate on something you get physical pain yeah um and uh rather than seeing that as a problem um I would suggest that you might want to investigate what's actually happening there because um that is probably uh actually an obstacle right? Like, Mm -hmm. like you shouldn't be getting physical pain when you try to concentrate. Well, it shouldn't. If you had like a perfect equanimity, that wouldn't be happening. And so, so this is, you've, you've heard me use this term before. This is a reproducible bug. Oh, it
8: certainly is.
0: (laughs) Right. So any bug that is reproducible is like just the perfect opportunity for investigation because you can make it happen consistently. Yep. So, um, so one of the things to do, and I wouldn't suggest that you like try to wreck yourself doing this, but it's one of the things that you can do in your practice is do the thing that creates the bug and try to observe what's happening closely and without without a desire to stop the pain, but rather yeah. just with exo- a desire to see what's happening. Uh, the more that you want to stop the pain, I think the, the less effective it'll be.
8: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I mean, if it's causing you physical Arm, then then stop no. obviously you don't but if it's just like you know a muscle is super tense and and you know that sucks and it's painful yeah. well now you have the opportunity and you may find like all of the subtlety that you're experiencing when you're doing the meditation with the choiceless attention um you can have that same experience of the pain process yeah. and see all of the details and you may discover some things that you can just like let go of yeah. 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 yeah yeah.
8: actually this whole thing starts by just watching the pain because that's the most obvious thing for my attention to go to uh-huh. um, without me intending it uh-huh. um, but I've never done it with uh, it's been almost completely exploring the the physical yeah. not not anything beyond that so that's a very interesting idea
0: yeah, like look for just like little subtle energy sensations even.
8: Mm-hmm. That's that's what I've been doing. Like just like just it's actually more of a face doing Tai Chi on its own a little bit.
0: Um, I want to see the face do like a sweep or something. That would be interesting.
8: But if I had like, you know, the software that would do like slight little kind of alien like movements of different parts of the face, that would yeah. probably... Um, yeah, and that's the visual that goes with the sensation.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. When I say energy sensations, I mean I, I tend to think that those are little little motivational impulses.
8: Mm-hmm.
0: And so so like there's a motivational impulse that's producing the muscle tension that's 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 ultimately mm-hmm. producing the feeling of pain.
8: Yeah.
0: So if you can if you can uh, explore that motivational impulse, you may you may find something behind it. And then basically what you want to do is see if you can follow that chain to whatever it is that's actually actually like. The trigger.
8: And I bet there's craving there. Of course. Yep.
0: Or, or, uh...
8: But to see it would be good, not just to infer it.
0: Yeah, craving, craving, or, I mean, I I guess, you know, craving comes in in two different forms, right? Uh, uh, hatred and, and, and desire. And, uh, aversion, right? So, so it might just as well be aversion as, as desire, but, but either way. Yeah. So, uh...
9: Jan had his hand up. Yeah, because um, what helped for me, like, um, I think I had a kind of similar situation when I um, was on a retreat with Tucker um, where I had physical pain due to uh, scoliosis. And um, the first day of the retreat I was doing concentration practice, but Um, I couldn't concentrate because of the pain. And then I switched also to like more of a Vipassana practice to work with the pain. And what he suggested then to me, and that really, really helped me was to um, observe the space of awareness um, while having this pain. And what happens um, with that space of awareness um, uh, if you get this pain, um, and maybe that could also be a good practice for you as well, because it, yeah, your situation sounds very similar. So, um,
8: yeah. And that was the comment they made earlier about, um, about, um, um, um Riff's comments and uh, Rodrigo's about, I've noticed that often just allowing my awareness to expand almost fixes, Yeah, everything. Naturally. Yeah,
9: Yeah, exactly. And that's if you explore that more um, that skyrocketed like for me in the practice. So um, you could explore that more and try that as a kind of inside practice. Um, So, yeah.
3: Rodrigo you seem to have something
5: to say. Do you want to say it before you go? Um, yeah, I mean, I agree with what everybody else has said. Um, so um, uh, this is a really good uh, state to be in. And um, I think at that point, you should just forget stable attention because uh, it doesn't matter at that point. Um, and that's, that's definitely like stage eight or stage nine. And it doesn't matter if you're consistently practicing at that stage or not. When your mind is in a state like that, um, you just want to stay there as long as possible. And you just want to just let go of, Mm -hmm. anything you think about it and just, just hang out there. And so Gilbert pretty much uh, explained that in more detail, but that I totally agree. Um, Just, just hang out there as long as possible and um, forget about stable attention or anything about TMI or the stages and just um, that that's a, that's a very good state to be in.
8: Yes, definitely. And actually, Um, now that I think of it, the equanimity that comes from that probably makes it easier for me to handle whatever has been blocking me in the other areas to face it and deal with it and see it, recognize it and just process it Um, because it will come back um, if it's something that needs to be addressed. I definitely (laughs) have faith that it will come back um, at some point. So I don't have to worry about skipping it um i'll be put back there if i need to be
5: yeah um one one last thing there's a, a certain point um where um you just have to like let go of any map or conception of meditation and what is what you're supposed to be doing and uh That sort of thing. So you just gotta let go of everything at that point. And um, I think you get it.
8: (laughs) Yeah, no, I've felt like I've been doing that since stage two. Um, That the the, the stages have been guiding me incredibly, but then I go and do it my own way, but progressing through the stages, but a little kind of strangely. Yeah, thanks.
3: Uh, I was going to say about uh, what you mentioned, that you, it feels sometimes that you're back to stage three with attention, not, not doing what it was supposed to do. And I think it, it varies depending on, on a person's path, on meditation. And when we think about, as Gilbert was saying, about sub-minds, you have different levels and sub-sub-minds. And we tend to think sometimes that the others are sub but my is not a sub mind. So at first it feels as if in the first stages we are one amongst a million sub minds, and we are fighting, and we want to pay attention to the meditation and to the meditation object, and all the other sub are getting in the way and pushing us around, and sometimes when you when you, you get to to i don't know to to disidentify with the submind and identify with a, a larger mind uh, a, a larger submind let's say or, or supermind in not in a super human sense but just above uh, other subminds you can see the sub subminds and as you were saying uh, they, they aren't doing what you wanted to, they, them to do. It. They are paying attention to different thoughts, but you can see them doing that. You're not being pushed around by them because you're not in the midst, midst of them. So I think that sometimes we, when we think of attention, we think of we are in the middle and we are trying to make everyone do the same thing. And when you, you go to that state and you can see the minds relating to themselves and thinking different thoughts without pushing you around it, it's hard to, to see how you can make them do what you want them to do but i think that's the part of the part of the unification process uh, uh, as what that says you unify around a, a, an intention so if you maintain that that intention with the some minds in view it, it's as if you you were holding the space in which they can integrate themselves so they, they can stop pushing, trying to push you around. Yeah. So that's a, a comment on, on that.
8: Let, to let them form a consensus rather yeah, than trying to that, do it top down.
3: Yeah, exactly. You're not trying to force them, but you are holding the space and you're mm-hmm. holding your ground, let's say, and in that space they, they can integrate with,
6: with you, quote, Yes. Quote.
8: That resonates. Yep.
6: And one word I would throw in there because I, I love the word, but it's this harmonization, right? Instead mm-hmm. of unification, necessarily, because it's exactly what Rodrigo, what you're saying, right? You're not mm-hmm. trying to force, but there's a way. There's a, there is also a way that you're standing your ground, right? You're mm-hmm. you're um, but
8: yeah, self organization. Yeah, I, I think the,
6: the, the
3: standing you know, standing your ground thing is just so that you don't drop that state and just go back uh, with the mind and go back into the fight, let's say. Mm-hmm. So you just hold that space and you don't get pushed around. And in that space, it can happen.
8: Mm-hmm.
6: Well, no, the only thing I would say is it's it's not necessarily self-organization. <laughs> <laughs> I can't say necessarily what it is because I don't, you know, it's like, what, you know, the certain... Yeah. Tick not the Hanh or interbeing, right? What is interbeing yeah. what is suchness? It's, it's, yeah,
8: yeah, self-organization is more of a complex system term for things that organize due to process, not um, an outside organizer.
0: Now, ironically, the term self-organization very, very definitely in its standard use implies that there is no self. No. I mean it it's funny because of course it's uh, another way to put it would be automatic organization right there like yes, there isn't some it. external thing organizing the organization is is arising organically
6: mhm well, I guess with me, I was thinking like uh, the boundaries right I was the focusing on the sort of the boundaries right, and so it's not necessarily like oh yeah i'm organ- there's that boundary of self and I'm you know w- everything that's w- within that boundary is no, like yeah, no, 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 no. yeah, yeah no.
8: Yeah. no. I I'm borrowing a term from complex systems.
6: Yeah. Sorry about all the
0: yawning. So, uh, (laughs) who's next, we can keep talking about self-organization. I didn't mean to interrupt that.
9: (laughs) Well, um, I, I would like to share something interesting. Um, so my practice is now um, made of, uh, if I have a sit, I divide it into two parts. First part is uh, concentration. The second part is vipassana. Um, and since the retreat, I haven't had like a lot of negative emotions in my sit. Um, but last week, um, they have, um, yeah, they they came back more in my sits. And um I actually had a, a lot of appreciation for the negative emotions. Um there was um one sit um I do like a diet um that, that's called intermittent fasting. So basically I don't eat um till like half past twelve. Um and this time it was like one o'clock and I'm like hungry and then I decided to sit down and um during my sit there was a lot of stress. Um, but, uh, in this set, um, I could really well observe the stress, like the space of the stress, how it intervened in my awareness and everything. And there was this like appreciation of the stress, like joyful stress. Uh, it seemed a bit like that. And then after like some moment, it just disappeared and, uh, there was just joy left, um, and this is this was also happening with anger in one of my sits um, um, and that was due to uh, something that happened the, the previous day and um, yeah it was really f- funny to see it and to observe like what was happening and when you're like have a distraction in that moment you're not um, mindful and um you don't have that appreciation or that um yeah of of the negative emotion but once you're out of it then there's all this i had this appreciation of of these negative emotions and i just uh yeah want to share that
2: That made me think of uh, what I've read about each negative emotion has a core compassionate intention inside it that drives it. Also, Jan, I was trying to read your sign behind you last week and couldn't quite make it out. Now I see what it says. (laughs) <laughs> it's a U2 song, right? Yeah, I still haven't found what I'm looking for.
6: Well, I better get going.
2: Good see everyone. Take see later, care. Gilbert.
6: Take care, Gilbert.
0: There's this term uh, that they use in Tibetan Buddhism called the wish-fulfilling jewel. And, um... There's a saying that goes along with that, which is that an annoying person is better than a wish-fulfilling jewel. Um, and the reason that an annoying person is better than a wish-fulfilling jewel is because um, a wish-fulfilling jewel can only give you what you wish for. Like it's like a, a wish-granting jewel. You you wish for something, you get it. But you can only wish for things that you know how to wish for. And uh, in Buddhist practice, the things that we're trying to reach are things that we can't conceive of, like literally can't conceive of. We have no idea what they are until we, until we experience them. The only reason we know they're there is because we have enough faith in somebody who's suggested that they're there, that we try to do the things they suggest we do to get there. Um, and so, uh, when I see I still haven't found what I'm looking for, I think of that, you know, that wish-fulfilling jewel, because, because really, like, we don't know what we're looking for. We're looking for something but we don't know what it is and uh, you know, we have a, an idea of what it is, but, or, or what, it, how it functions, but that's all. And so, so uh, having, you know, the, the, the experience that you were describing Jan of, of having your, your emotions come up, your, your negative emotions come up and learning from them is exactly an embodiment of that. So That's really cool.
3: Yeah, in, in meditation, there's something that I have seen in psychotherapy also, that you develop a, a taste for the annoying. Every time something happens that triggers you in some way, you think, oh, that's something I can learn from. That's something I, I'm not aware there is something there that, that, that I cannot see that it, uh, is unconscious. And at the same time it's, it's working in my life and it's a huge opportunity to learn about myself. So yeah, it's, it's way better to have the, the annoying person. than you. how, how is it called the wish fulfilling jewel? The wish fulfilling jewel, wish granting jewel. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah uh, Another another Tibetan term that, that that sort of relates to this is is uh, jikme, which is a term that they often use for people who've who've reached first path, which is fearless. Um, and the reason that it's called fearless is because uh, you develop this eagerness to find all of the ways in which your mind is broken, and you're no longer afraid of them. You're no longer you're like you you see them, and you're like, okay, I'm gonna I'm going to just go address that now. Like, like, you know, if I've got some, some negative thing happening, I'm like, yay, I noticed it. Like I will now try to put myself into stressful situations so that I can, so that I can see what my mind does in those stressful situations, learn from it and, and uh, sort of uh, adjust. So it's a good place to be. Uh, so does anybody else want to bring up a topic?
10: I'll go because I, mine wasn't really meditation. Well, it wasn't too much meditation practice related. Can you hear me? Okay. I'm using a new, new device. Okay. Um, yeah. So I've been practicing loving kindness meditation at the beginning of my meditations for about two weeks now. Um, and I, there's something I noticed that I uh, I'm not sure if this is because of love and kindness or because I'm in I'm kind of back in English-speaking country. My my secondary language skills weren't so great uh, where, where I just came from for three months, but now um, I when I go out to the store, or the post office, or this or that, um, I really enjoy talking to strangers. Now <laughs> this was starting to happen, you know. Maybe over the past year when I've been doing more meditation, I used to have more social anxiety related to that. Um, and I, and eventually I kind of noticed I, that was kind of stemming from like kind of a fear of people, strangers and stuff like that. And the fear kind of went away when talking to people. And now I everywhere I've been going, the gym, the post office, the grocery store, the bank, I like get into conversations with people. And I'm just really happy. And now when I'm noticing when I have some place to go, I'm just like kind of excited, like, oh, who am I going to talk to today when I get there? <laughs> um, and I, uh, I had a realization the day or two before, a day or two before um, I was thinking about, it. I, I had the notion, my heart is open. And in the past, if I would have, heard somebody say that I would have been either not like I get it on on a mental level, but not really getting it on an emotional level. Like now I really understand what that means. Like my heart is open to, well, not everybody, but a lot more people (laughs) than before, even strangers. So I just thought that was a really uh, cool thing to share. Yeah. This is exactly the result that you should experience from
0: metapractice.:
10: practice. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I said, I feel like I was kind of going in that direction over the past year. And, and yeah. so I can't 100% attribute it to loving kindness, but I'm sure that, that that's definitely helping a lot.
0: Well, you, yeah. were, probably, you were probably getting some metapractice practice out of just doing your regular meditation, because that, that is an aspect of meditation, even when you're just doing vipassana or shamatha vipassana meditation. Right. You, you have That's to have a certain called. degree of loving kindness towards yourself in order to do the practice effectively, and and that helps with all of those little elaborations, the social anxiety and stuff like that, but but doing meta practice as meta practice is definitely supposed to have the result that like you, you're wandering around in the world and you
10: see people and you're just like,
0: yay, a person. <laughs>
10: Great. That's awesome. Yeah. Really That's, I wasn't expecting that. I, I was, I think yeah, it's really cool. Yeah.
0: Well, it's funny because I can see it in your face right now. Right. Like, you know, I don't, you, you? You, look, you look like a million times happier than you did like two weeks ago.
10: Great. Well, I mean, I, and, and just, and when I think about it, it's like, it makes me happy because it's a milestone for me mm-hmm. coming from more like in the past, don't want to talk to strangers, Yeah, had no interest in that, you know, and there was an, a complete avoidance to that. And now it I, I just having it be neutral would have been cool. But, you know, having it go in the opposite direction is kind of surprising and a very, and a very nice thing for me. And, and I just started. So it's interesting to see where it's going to go. Mm-hmm.
2: Tom? Yeah, I just wanted to back on what Mike was saying, uh, I've been experimenting with informal meta out in the world, you know, and not necessarily talking to the stranger, but sending good wishes at them. just as I see people when I'm driving, when I'm in the grocery store, whatever, you know, I hope you're happy, you know, thinking that to myself, not saying it out loud. And I've gotten a lot of good feelings from that. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's another great way to practice meta. And the nice thing about it is you can do it all day. Okay. well, it seems like we're dwindling. Does anybody want to have the last word? I see no... Yay, I got oh, the last one. Okay. all right, go, go
2: ahead, Tom. <laughs> no, I was just saying, yay, I got the last one. <laughs> Funny. All
0: right, well, it's been great seeing you guys. It was a great session, and hopefully we'll see a bunch of you next time.